Welcome to Pause Vibe Podcast, a podcast for HIV positive people, their friends, family, and allies. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pause Vibe Podcast. My name is Robbie Lawler. And I'm the very beautiful Veda Lady. <laughs> very Even very... if I say so myself. <laughs> stunning, stunning. And look, today is a, just going to be an amazing episode because we have the beautiful, beautiful Richard from New York. Hi, Richard. Hello, Hi. hello, hello, friends. How are we? So good to see you. Looking lovely, dreamy as ever. Oh, nightmares, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shitemares. That's what we call them. Shitemares here in Dublin. So, Richard, tell me, do you like being called Richard or would you prefer Dick? I will take Dick, but my name is Richard. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Same, same as all of us, thankfully. And what are your okay. pronouns, babe? Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I am a proud, proud, happy, non-binary human being. Yay, me too. I also Yay. go with they, thems and he's and she's too a lot of the time because I have a drag history, of course. So I've used them all for years, but I'm really enjoying the they, thems. I feel very empowered about it. How about you? I feel very empowered as well. Um, I will say this weekend was a little bit of uh, an emotional roller coaster because I worked the door uh, in New York City for nightlife. And so sometimes when people uh, double down on what whatever, you know, like, and they don't respect the pronouns, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. Um, and I just have to say that um, our existence does matter and how we identify and our authenticity does matter. So for people who don't understand, it's okay not to, but try to. Yeah, and just accept it. It is what it is, <laughs> you know, we are who we are. We weren't ever given the opportunity to use the language before, so now the language is very important. That's how I feel about it. And Richard, how, how, um, how has your journey of understanding, I suppose, your gender identity been? Like, um, is because I recognize from your Instagram that, you know, you put up Day Down quite recent enough. And I just want to know, like, what has your journey of gender expression been? So I'll make this as quick as possible. When I was uh, a young, a young cis gay, quote unquote, uh, moving to New York City, I came out when I was 11 years old. But when I moved to New York City, when I was 20 years old, um, I quickly found uh, high heels at Payless of all places, <laughs> thanks to Mimi I'm First, actually. And I ended up wearing high heels in my first performance. And I remember breaking them in at Splash Bar NYC, rest in peace. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was new and they just felt right. Um, and so then I started experimenting with makeup and I started, you know, and I just thought this was just an androgynous, like, you know, uh, counterpart, like this was just part of uh, a performance and part of um, something that wasn't necessarily me. And then the more that I started doing it, I was like, wait, this is, this is definitely me. Like I am, I am non-binary. Like I do not sit under the cis gay ideas that we have about who we must be in order to find ourselves attractive and others to find us attractive and to fit in. But I never really understood because I had to repress that personally because the way people would say, hey, I can't date you if you wear makeup. Um, I can't date you if you wear heels. I can't date you if this. And I just thought it was something that I was putting on, you know, like a costume. Um, and it wasn't until when we were shut, just before we shut down um, last year that I started to realize that like, no, this is not just a performance. This is actually part of who I am. 
this is being not cis is part of who I am. And it's hard because I do look very mask presenting. So it can be confusing to other people and including myself, it was confusing to me. And so throughout the pandemic, when we had time to sit down and really reflect on uh, who I am, I was shocked uh, to find that I don't fit in the way that I thought I did. So I had to find my place. And it was really nice. It was really nice to be able to sit down and like uh, have FaceTimes with friends. And then when we're, you know, finally starting to meet up with people to have conversations with my non-binary friends, be like, is this who I am? Is this where I fit in? And just because I am mask presenting when it comes to looks and I sometimes have facial hair, like, does that mean anything? My friend was like, no, this is all personal. This is how you feel not how anyone else feels. Don't bother caring what other people feel. If you feel this is you, then that's your identity. And no one can take that away from you. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, so in the last year since that point, um, I went to Provincetown uh, for my birthday. <laughs> it was the major breakout, but I came back without <laughs> COVID, thank God. So I was able to, I was by myself. Um, everything fell through with plans. And so I decided every single day to like, take time for me, look in the mirror, really just study myself. And I found that like, I'm not a full fledged drag queen. Like that was something that was like, what is it that's about me that is different that what, what is this feeling? So I started painting and I found that like, I softened my face and I was like, wow, this is softening my soul. And it was, it was just a very beautiful feeling. And I would go to tea and I'd be like, I am, I am, I, I am a moment. I, I, I stand out. And a lot of that has to do with being non-binary and not going into the norms. And people started to recognize that. And I was like, wow, this is super beautiful. So I finally put on my Instagram, I am non-binary. My pronouns are they, them. And as I've said, like there've been a lot of people who have embraced it, um, including myself. Um, and sometimes when we discover more about ourselves, we're hit with this emotional brick as you have a brick wall in the background. <laughs> um, we're hit with this emotional brick. They're not real bricks. Yeah, I hope they're real emotions. <laughs> this was a real emotional brick. And, you know, we have uh, to deal with all of these emotions and uh, really work through them. And so that's been something that I've been trying to deal with recently. And I've been having to reach out to a lot of friends. And I'm really grateful that we're having this conversation to start this podcast because it does matter. And as I said before, respecting people's pronouns and who they are really does matter. It's so important and I love it. And I relate so much to everything you're saying. And I love to see more non-binary people out there in the world doing their thing, especially when they're not what we normally think a non-binary person should be or look like, because that's the whole point. You know, you get to decide, you get to do you, and you get to present any way that you want, any time of the day, with hair, without hair, whatever, with makeup, without makeup. It doesn't change who you are. None of it does. That's the whole point point I think correct and also uh to add on to that point it's like if more people understood what non-binary is more people would possibly identify as non-binary Absolutely. I used to say that I thought all drag queens should identify as non-binary. And it seems like, you know, at the time I, I felt like it was kind of a naive idea. But now I just feel like more people should identify as non-binary. They just don't really understand that they are, 
yet, including me until recently, including you until recently. And some of my best friends forever are trans women. And I've always felt like I'm part of that tribe. But I also always felt like I wasn't quite under the umbrella and I was still getting wet in the rain a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, I totally agree with that. You know, one of uh, my biggest inspirations and supporters and um, vice versa is uh, Peppermint. And Yay, went, ours too. Her. <laughs> and when I first when I first moved to the city and I was this <laughs> underage person, nobody knew this, I had a fake ID, um, I was one of the people that took me under her wing. And uh, that's how I met Sherry. And that was how I was in Sherry's, my first video was Sherry. And Sherry became my mother and, you know, drag culture in general. But Peppermint was um, definitely the person who took me in. And I really appreciate her, especially for all of her activism. Uh, she is so lovely. And I feel that like, you know, people have asked me like, and this is, this can be something very disrespectful to ask somebody, um, especially someone coming into their own is like, so when are you gonna start full, uh, you know, treatment and therapy? And I was like, well, I don't know if I ever will, but if I ever grew to that point where I discover more about myself, I will not be ashamed of it and I will jump right in. And I have people like Peppermint who and, and Mila Jam and all of these people who have led the way for me that I don't have to feel like I'm alone. So if that as ever is part of my journey, I am not afraid to do it. Well, we want to give a special shout out to Peppermint, or as we like to call her on this show, Preppermint. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because Preppermint. She, came, she came and did an episode with us last season, which was a huge help in getting us started, but she also helped us to promote prep here in Dublin while people were coming out of lockdown. So she's my hero, has been for years, and I'm so I glad. So <laughs> Richard, it's so amazing to hear like your journey of understanding yourself and you know your gen gender identity. And I feel so many parallels as someone living with HIV about you know I, I know they're separate things, but they're all journeys of how we understand ourselves and the world around us and having to deal with some shit, you know. But ultimately having friends who understand us um it's just so powerful so thank you for sharing that with us it's so powerful and you got to share with all our listeners what your friends got to share with you what your non-binary friends got to share with you so hopefully and some listeners will will resonate uh with how it resonated with you but kind of because we are the pause vibe podcast we do have a, a a focus on hiv and one of the reasons we really wanted to get you on our podcast is because you are such a strong activist and advocate and so sex positive and just do it in such a beautiful way and um, especially with such a large following on instagram and we were wondering that if we can um let our listeners know a little bit more about you the man behind the the the, the instagram account like can you tell us a little bit more about your hiv story okay to start from the beginning um I'm going to say that when we're younger in the United States, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but I know that in the United States, there needs to be more education on sex and HIV and STIs as a whole um, in health class. Like that just needs to start there. I remember the first things I learned about HIV were, you know, you'll, you know, it'll go full blown AIDS and die. That's, that's what I understood about it. And then my first experience with HIV was when I was 18 years old, I came to New York City and I was hanging out with this choreographer who was a little bit older and was HIV positive. And like, I, we used a condom and everything. And I was so terrified that I was going to get AIDS and die simply from being intimate with this person. When I moved here, when I was 20, 
um, I got straight into nightlife and, you know, I started drinking heavily. Um, I am sober now. So I, that was the beginning of my, you know, uh, active alcoholism um, and addiction. And um, eventually within a, you know, a year and a half, I started having riskier sex. Um, condoms kind of were, <laughs> you know, not there. Um, and so by the time I was 22, I was diagnosed HIV positive. And it was like my entire world just kind of, you know, like, uh, what is happening? I remember sitting in the clinic, getting tested for gonorrhea because I had a little <laughs> symptoms. Um, and the nurse, it was close to closing at the clinic. And the nurse came in when I was talking to the doctor and was like, I need to speak with Richard. This is very important. And I was like, oh, this is nothing, you know? And then she came in again and was like, I really need to speak with him before we close today. And I don't know if you've ever watched Sex in the City, but hopefully you have. There's that moment that I had as Samantha Jones, like freaking out. But the unfortunate part about my situation, my scenario was that when I sat down in that room with this nurse, she told me that my preliminary results came back reactive. I was like, what does that mean? And what that meant was the preliminary test results came back positive and I was HIV positive. And as I said, like everything just kind of went blank because what I knew was like gone. Like what did, what did this mean for me? Where was I gonna go from here? And uh, about six months prior to this, I had attempted suicide. And so, you know, that being on my record, they were like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, well, I've already been there before. I don't want to go back there. So I'm going to have to deal with this. And, you know, the first thing I did was I called my friend Robert and then I called my friend Kevin and I decided to meet my friend Robert at my friend Kevin's restaurant for dinner. And on the walk there, I called my mom, I called my sister and my mom was, my mom and sister were both very, very good about it, which I'm very grateful for because not everybody would be. There are still people who haven't told their parents and so, or their family. So the fact that I was able to tell them right away um, just shows that my family is very supportive and I love them very much for everything that they told me, including, you know, there are medications today, you'll be fine. Um, let me know how things go. My ex recently had recently moved back to Australia. So I had to email him and tell him because we had unprotected sex once. <sighs> and so I had to let him know. And that was just like, oh my God, what is he going to say? And I remember getting that email back just before I went into dinner. And he told me, he's like, you know, it's like, you ruined my life. I hate you. Well, he's lovely. What a yeah. lovely guy. <laughs> my response was like, whoa, I'm I like, not, I'm not like perfect here or anything, but I want to make sure that you're okay. Like, that was why I did that. Like, I want to make sure that you're okay. I, you know, fuck how I'm feeling right now. Excuse the language. But like, I want to make sure that you're doing okay. And so then I remember sitting down to dinner and I just like couldn't focus on much. And the second that glass of rosé hit the table and I drank it, I found some solace in it. And I was like, this, I want to feel this warmth and this comfort all the time. And that's not how I felt in that moment until I took that sip of that rosé. So that's the beginning of my story with HIV. And it was very, very difficult um, at first. I didn't know whether I could have sex, whether I couldn't have sex. I didn't start treatment right away. Um, people wanted to have sex and I had to have that conversation with them before. I'd be like, hey, I was just diagnosed HIV positive. Uh, and some people were like, that's cool. I'll put on a condom. And I was like, okay, great. Um, I remember a few times, like, I couldn't have sex without being drunk, first of all. Let's put that out there, too, because I didn't feel safe or comfortable enough. Um, and then about six months after that, I went to do a show, and I had a friend that I was there with, and we had a falling out. And the first thing he did was went and told everybody in our cast that I was HIV positive. And that broke me. 
and then I came back to New York and, you know, I really dove into work and I dove into New York City nightlife. And then I finally started medication. And I feel like the universe set me up for with the right people in my life at that time. And I have to give a shout out to Shane Terenzi, who is the creator of Miss Hell's Kitchen um, drag pageant that benefit at the time it benefited AIDS life cycle. But now um, years later, I am an executive producer on the pageant and we, uh, support uh cycle for the cause we love you shane um, shout out hi, to shane. shane yes and we love shane terenzi um someone that really made me feel like i was a part of even if the, i was just a server for the first miss hell's kitchen at therapy bar again rest in peace but it really made me feel like a part of and when i first started my medications i remember walking that afternoon with him and my friend jason and we were like the we were like the three, like everybody knew we were always going to be together. And they were like, it's going to be okay. Like keep us updated. And, you know, it was nice having those people who were negative, but were allies and were really there for me. I want everybody listening to know how beautiful you are because, you know, they mightn't have gotten that message yet. You are the epitome of the peach emoji. <laughs> it's yeah, so you, beautiful. You are honestly. the pause wap that we've been waiting for. I mean, I don't want to say this, but I will say this. I actually do want to say this is that when we come, when we, you mentioned sex positivity and body positivity and, and people may not know this, but. Um, a few years ago, I think it was like 2015, 2016, before it was popular to be naked all over the internet, um, I was actually one of the first butts on Instagram. And I was wow. very proud of that. And people, yeah, and people were like, girl, you can't do that. And I'm like, no, I can, and I will. Um, and if you have a problem with that, maybe you should look in the mirror and understand why you have a problem with that. Because we're taught so much that like, if we show our bodies off, it's smut, it's bad. I'm like, why? Like I wasn't, I didn't work hard for this body and I wasn't given this body by whatever you believe in, if it's God, to, you know, hide it under clothes all the time. And as a dancer, I was always taught that our bodies are part of our expression. So like, I'm gonna show my body off. You know what, even if it's not in the most perfect shape right now, I'm still gonna show it off. And I'm gonna oh, give live over. It and celebrate and love it. Just like I'm gonna live and celebrate your body. Uh, <laughs> we are gonna celebrate your body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I already have. <laughs> but I really wanna come and see you perform in the flesh. Like I love to see your videos on Instagram, but I haven't had the chance to actually see you do your thing. I do wanna say also when I do my full, I didn't finish my entire story, but I will say that where I was, was, uh, you know, 10 years ago to where I am now is much different. When I got sober is when I really started to uh, accept my status and I, I was able to finally deal with it. I remember having sex for the first few times and feeling very lost. And there was one person that really helped me discover my sexuality again. And it was because I was able to be so open and honest. And so just immersed in him and him immersed literally inside me. <laughs> it, it felt so nice to have somebody understand. And that was when prep was really coming around and was uh, hitting the market. And thank you, Dr. Dimitri, so much for all of your hard work surrounding prep. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you, You Equals You campaign for all of your hard work because you really helped um, people who are HIV positive, You Equals You. <laughs> I see the top, it's Love on the I mean, got it, got to, got to be part of the brand, got to be part of the movement. Um, so uh, thank you for all of your hard work because you've made it easier for us to live and accept ourselves as being HIV positive, undetectable human beings um, and realizing that like we can have sex, but 
I remember the first time that I did an article for HIV Smart, um, which is a really wonderful campaign here in New York City started by Ryan Colford. And I was the first essay for HIV Smart. And I was so nervous. And all he said is, you're going to help so many people. And that's all I needed because in sobriety, we're taught, you know, we can only keep what we give away. And so the fact that I was able to give a helping hand and reach out and be like, this is my story, I hope you can relate. Um, and I hope this helps at least one person. And from there, it went on to me telling my story uh, on Instagram. And I remember in 2017, I think, 2017 or 2018, um, I did the month of October as, uh, it was 2017, and I did, the month of October being uh, HIV Awareness Month, and I told my story, 31 Days of Awareness. And then I started my blog with Pause Magazine and uh, telling my story. And I was, again, it was just like one of those things I was very nervous about, and it became so wonderful. And I had this amazing response from so many people. And within the first year and a half, I became the number one blogger for Pause Magazine. Oh, wow. And with that, you became someone who gave sexual healing back to other people. You know, you kind of helped with your blogging and just being 100% you and being honest about your sobriety. You know, you helped other people and the readers. And uh, we're just so grateful to have you here and to hear about that journey. But you hit on the team of the Pause Vibe podcast season two, which is sexual healing. So we want to keep you online because we have our second guest of the day. Everyone, welcome, Pause Vibe Tribe alumni, Connor Anderson. Welcome back, Connor. Hey. hey girls. Hi girls. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me back. Um, I'm really glad to be here for this theme in particular. And um, Richard, your story, you so many elements of your story I resonated with because I am also sober. I was also diagnosed with HIV in my early twenties. Um, like I also did the hard drugs. The thing you said, like the condom thing and the the disclosing the status thing, it's like I think I said this on the last episode, but like when you're smoking crack with a bunch of dudes like nobody's asking you about your status and so if you're full of shame and guilt and fear that you're going to be rejected over your status smoking crack becomes a really attractive option because it means <laughs> you can have sex without fear or shame so um yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Thank you for being here and being so honest. That's why we wanted you back. Honestly, we loved your honesty and we felt our listeners only kind of got the tip of the iceberg last time. So thank you so much for returning. And because the team is sexual healing and we want to ask both of you, but I'll start off with you, Connor. What does sexual healing mean for you in, in relation to living with HIV? And, and have you been on that journey? Yeah, I mean, so, so for me, sexual healing means really defeating shame and fear like as gay people um we're brought up with a lot of shame and fear about the sexual expression we want um i was deeply closeted for a long time the closet is like it's psychological torture for people um and then i was diagnosed with hiv while still in the closet so i had i was like double closeted and so i had a, a really lot of work to do untangling all of that shame and fear i mean sex was like it's like i hated being gay i didn't want to be gay but also like i had to because sexual expression is a part of every human being it's like you can't just beat it away it doesn't stay away um so for me it took it took the better part of a decade to get over that and get into like get to a place where I could like fuck without fear as the 
this, the mantra, the slogan I goes, the battle cry, yeah. the battle cry. Fuck and now you're a top dad. Look right, at that's, you. <laughs> that's, that's the joke. That's <laughs> false advertising. We're all about um, PDE today. Positive energy is where, where we're going with this. Sexual healing and positive energy is where we're at. And Connor, you're in a relationship now. And how do you think that sexual healing has played a part in your relationship now? So, I mean, I had to do a lot of it beforehand like i mean because so being diagnosed with hiv in the very, the very beginning of my adult sexual life being closeted for so long it's like my for the entirety of my 20s it was this constant complex of like it's too late for me i'm too the goods are too damaged it's like the ship has sailed so i had a lot of untangling and work to do around that but like i did it sort of in fits and starts and like i mean the the biggest part for me is like i have like i i i only bought them like not to be sort of too dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, no, I for and for a long time, I viewed that as a really serious deficit and like something. So it was this additional, like I'm like sorry, you know, I'm more, even more damaged goods. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, like I need to, I can't fulfill both roles. It's like I'm even less of a desirable partner. And like slowly but surely, like I mean, I had like lots of messy relationships in sobriety where I would like get. I got with someone who only wanted to bottom and I was like, this will prove it. Like maybe it was just the drugs. Like it was this, just the drugs that made me a bottom. Now that I'm sober, I'll be a top and everything will be fine. Like, <laughs> and that didn't work out. And I just remember um, right before I was moving from Los Angeles to Dublin, there was this guy who I had this kind of thing. Like we had sort of this long crush on each other in, in the rooms in AA. And it was like, I had just shared about moving to Dublin and I had like just come off of a like relapse and like the guy, he like came over and he was like, well, he like, we kind of like we're talking and he was like, well, do you want to come back to mine? And I remember being like, oh, but like, you know that I only bought him. Right. And he was like, yeah, that's, he was like, that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like, and I was like, and it, cause like it had never, that was, I still just distinctly remember that moment because like it had never clicked to me that that could be a desirable trait in a partner. And for him, it was, because he didn't want to do, he didn't want a bottom in the same way I didn't want to talk. It's exactly what I look for in the bottom. It, I mean, <laughs> I mean well, and just, it's just, and like that, that, that for me was a really pivotal moment, that, that realization that like, like what I had could be, rather than being always feeling like what I was had to offer, you know, I'm HIV positive, I only do this. It's like, I'm not, like, I'm, I don't know. I don't really, so like I'm not as, I'm not as cute. Box. I'm not, uh, the whole litany of flaws that everyone, that people have running around in the back of their, their heads. A lot of things that I considered flaws could be considered assets. Mm -hmm. It's just, you have to have to like find the right person. And so that for, yeah, I don't know. I mean, cause when, when you told me the theme was going to be sexual healing, I was, I sort of was like going back and like thinking about that moment. Cause it was really so pivotal. Cause like it, it like blew my whole wor world apart. Because, like, for the first time, I was like, oh, wait, if I find the right pe – if I find the people who want to have sex with me for me, they'll see all of the things that I think are maybe deficits or other people might think of as deficits as being things that they're actually attracted to. And that had never occurred to me. <laughs> like, it's such it, a simple thought, it but it never, takes that, like – It blew his whole apart. It blew, yeah. it blew my whole hole. So, Connor, what you're really saying is that bottom shaming is the real epidemic here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's pandemic. It's over a, bottom shaming. It's a pandemic. It's after COVID. We've got to handle bottom shaming. Like Richard, sexual healing, honey. What does that mean to you? So I want to touch on that bottom point. I I relate so much, um, especially being like in New York City and and Hell's Kitchen specifically. There are so many bottoms, and it's like, is there ever? Am I ever going to find a top? Am I ever gonna <laughs> Every lid has a top. Every <laughs> pot has a lid. Like, girl, I need to search far and wide for a top. No, it's. Uh, I will say in New York City, I feel like 
especially for me, because people look at me and they're like, oh, she's like the alpha bottom. And so like that also intimidates a lot of people because they're like, I don't know if I want to have sex with her because like she might like spit me up and throw me out like boom. And that's definitely something that like I've... (laughs) I've had to edit out of my OnlyFans videos because there's that moment like, I'm going to destroy your puss. And I'm like, I'm going to destroy your dick. And they're like, they're like, oh, oh. And they feel like, you know, there's that like toxic masculinity thing, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to sexual healing, as I've said, like, and Connor said that when I was on drugs, I didn't feel like I had to have any of that shame because there wasn't, because we didn't ask about it. It was kind of like any hole's a hole, let's stick it in, bum, done. Cool. Um, I've also found it hard as being a bottom of like trying to find somebody to be intimate with. And I am single. And uh, I've had a lot of uh, (laughs) I've had a lot of experience sexually, especially with OnlyFans and such. And I found a lot of my healing and being able to have such open sex with people on camera who understand that you equals you. And they're so willing to uh, be educated and be progressive and do that. I also, when it comes to bottom shaming, we were talking about uh, let's end that epidemic next. And I love that uh, I work in nightlife and there's a bunch of drag queens who are always like, no bottom shaming, you know, like bottoms take literally the world. Like we literally take the world. We're gonna Um, adopt that here. And on our backs. (laughs) Um, It is such a powerful thing to be um, undetectable and to be able to have sexual freedom and there will always be those few people in, especially even in metro areas where it's like, you know, I they don't understand HIV, but it doesn't happen as often anymore. Um, sexual healing has come a lot with uh, medical advances too. being able to be like, well, no, that's not how that works anymore. Um, I am undetectable and you can, I cannot transmit what I've got. And that's been something so amazing. Thank, thank you again to all of the uh, medical and uh, professionals and scientists who have gotten us to this point. But sexual healing is also like my sobriety, able to take a look at, like do an inventory on my sexual experiences and being like, oh, I was doing this because I thought there was a scarcity of people that I could actually be with because, you know, I'm a leper. And I'm not. We're not lepers for being HIV positive. You're you know, a leopard, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Sexual leopard. You're so beautiful. <laughs> and Connor, going back to you, just for a little bit more about your story, because you know you were talking about how HIV is just one extra thing that you said it was almost makes you one thing that's more undesirable. And can I just say you're an absolute ride? So I disqualify everything you Thank say you. with that. <laughs> but- it's like Lindsay Lohan if she shaved her head. <laughs> And there are uh, sexy Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> no, no, I've no. moved on to Lindsay Lohan. Okay, great, great, great. But great. only since she lost her looks. <laughs> We've all seen your husband. He's an absolute ride. You're both gorgeous together. He loves me. And he loves us. <laughs> um, <laughs> he does. He really does. He does. I know. What, what, like, uh, tell me, like, what, what, how did you get together? How, how, how did you get your husband? Sure. Well, I, just to clarify for all the listeners out there, he—he's not my husband. He's, he's my boyfriend, but it's—it's it's sort of he's a my husband. Yeah, exactly. He's Veda, he's Veda's husband. I'm just—I'm yeah, just borrowing him. Yeah, how did I get my him. husband? I mean, um, our, our husband. Sorry. Um, I mean, so I—I I tell this story. We—we we met on Grinder. Um, I think he like tapped me, and then we had this sort of like month long. We actually hooked up. Um over the over the the lockdown so we're 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 lockdown boyfriends um and we had this long you know back and forth and i walked up to he was like it wasn't working on grinder so i walked up to him at the gym and i said hey let me get your number and then we played sort of 
phone tag with I on WhatsApp. Her, sorry, I love how American that is. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I yeah, I he wasn't writing back to me on Grindr, so, so I walked up to him to I the walked gym. to him in the gym and said, hi, I'm Connor. I need, can oh, I, I just get your number? Because this is not going anywhere quick enough. And then at, at some point, it, like the lockdown happened, it was in April, and he said he texted me to say, wow, I really should have invited you over sooner, shouldn't I? And I was like, yeah. So then we we got together. Uh, I went over to his place. He made bolognese, and uh, we've been together ever since. We've been together for going on a year and a half now. Um, our anniversary is in April, and it was. I mean, so this is he is my first sort of serious uh, adult relationship with a man. I did date a woman back in the the closeted twenties days, um, and it, it's actually been really easy. I mean, I the, I have a lot of stuff around dating and having a boyfriend um when i got sober back in la it was like the one thing i like needed a boyfriend to complete me and mm. and naturally when you're when you meet someone in a romantic context and you have this sort of uh roiling gasping wound of need it oh no, kind it's, of it's turns, healed. I'm, it's I'm healed fine now. I mean, I'm fine now. I just play with a heavy weekend, Connor. It just I'm doesn't. I'm sitting on a cushion here. That's like, what he's referencing. Yeah, Don't put your finger in the wound, Rob. My, my, heart, my heart was prolapsed. Um, oh, God. Uh, my heart is low. But. <laughs> so, anyway, regardless, like, obviously, people can often pick up on that. And so I, I wasn't really. I needed to do a lot more work on myself. And I did that through like relapsing and doing the steps and doing all the kind of, you know, sober weirdo stuff that I do. And in, in relax, AI. don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so actually, like I said, it's actually been, been kind of easy. Um, but like I was saying, it's like, I do have sort of a lot of stuff. What, what happens, I will have fears about not being enough. We've talked about the sexual position thing, but him and I are just say we just talk about things things openly, um, and you know I still like every sometimes I still get like this even a year and a half in where he will say something like Hey, I have to talk to you, and I'm like, Well, this is it. He's dumping me. Like this is this. You know, we moved in together, and I'm like, He's he's gonna dump me. <laughs> like, Aww. but I have enough sort of. It takes like time, and he I have enough time and healing to like have that thought. It pops into my head, and I get a little. <gasps> Of fear, and then I am immediately able to go. That's just the crazy brain talking. I can relate to that. I think like you know that sometimes too. You know, yeah. and and it's not coming from my husband. It's yeah. just it's me. me. It's totally coming that. from me. Yep. It's, you know exactly. Exactly. He talks about when I retire, wanting to retire, and he has financial plans and he makes investments, and you know what I mean. And I'm like, oh my god, he's not leaving that. me. <laughs> 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 I call him my pension more than I call him my husband, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, but I totally can relate to that. We yeah. have these demons, I think, still that you know mm-hmm. that. Part of that, I think, comes with being paused as well. I yeah. do. And it's funny. Um, sometimes if we talk about communication with a partner, which is so important, sometimes the hardest people to talk about sex with is to our partners, mm-hmm. is to our sexual partners, mm-hmm. because we are so, it's such a vulnerable thing to do, whether it's about our desires, about uh, our insecurities around sex or whatever. We always want them to see the best of us and being open and having those sexual conversations can be so vulnerable. And then you always say, oh, I won't do it today. I'll do it another time. Uh, you keep yeah. pushing it uh-huh. off and it's only to everyone's yeah. detriment. And that's well. that's been a really fun, interesting new experience because uh, my boyfriend is 
the now the longest running person I've had sex with consistently. The previous record for most guys in my life was like once. And now we're up to, I don't know how many times with, with Andy. Seven times. Seven, seven. He told me, he seven told times. me he was complaining. But I mean, but just, anyway. but it's just, it's just like <laughs> having, so having to like have sex with someone and then like make dinner with them the next night. It's like, it becomes a new a thing. Yeah. And like, particularly when as an HIV positive person. Did you wash your hands? I, obviously. <laughs> we shower. Chili powder. With, <laughs> no. now, I actually done that once. Can I just chili stop powder? you? It's my first boyfriend. We were making a pasta bake. I was cutting up the chilies. Uh, we, we put it up. into the <laughs> oven. Went into his room. Was having sex. Next thing you know, I was like, why am I burning? Why is my pe- penis on fire? And I forget. I looked down at him. And his face went from this nice face to one of agony. And we both went, ah! <laughs> he had to run up to the shower. I was running around his room looking for a cloth. <laughs> it was so painful. So wash your hands, kids. Yeah, wash all of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope my mom's not listening. I'm going to interrupt as well because something just popped into my head and I promise we'll get back on track. Yeah. The other day, somebody was asking me about how I met Robbie. And Robbie often talks about how we met on, you know, set of... Uh, had to tell a secret but re- and I always say we met at a drag competition where mm-hmm. we were both judges but what I never say is that he snogged me <laughs> what? yeah when? yeah in the smoky area after the competition and I like, totally ruined my makeup and his friends totally took him away and now he talks about having psychotic episodes on <laughs> On, on, a, on a triplet in the dragon and I know that he means me that when he says he says psychotic episode he actually means me so I thought I better tell him on air so there you go oh, now I you love know that I, I love, love kissing drag queen you were in drag down as well weren't you I uh-huh. kiss Pixie all the time <laughs> All the time. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> well, she kisses me. I don't know. I think she bounces on me all the time. But um, okay, go on. But that's a very interesting one. So we kissed before we even talked. We did. Yeah. Like that. Fortunately, this is you know sexual healing. This I is, mean, this yeah. is as we speak. That we're engaging in healing. sexual healing. For both of you. <laughs> High I'm healing. so happy. <laughs> Not healing for your makeup. Anyway. <laughs> but I, I guess I was, I guess I was just to say is like is like when when you come. For a lot of HIV positive people, at least I'll speak for myself. Like I was an HIV positive crystal meth using party bottom. Like some of my best friends. Absolutely. No, me too. Dead serious. Great people. Love us. But it's like when you have that, when you, all the sex you have is that kind of sex. The like you're in a bathhouse with people you don't know. You're on drugs. It's all anonymous. It's, it becomes a self-esteem and a self-worth issue. And it's, it can be, it's weird or difficult. I mean, again, it took me like, I don't know, 15 years to pivot to like, having a boyfriend and having boyfriend sex which is just it's very different and like that to me is like a big element of sexual healing and mm. you know it's like because you think because and the, the problem is there's all this ex, all these external judgments placed like that kind of sex the the on drugs anonymous sex is like fun and if you have it that's good but if it becomes about degrading yourself then it starts to be a problem in a way that's not fun do you know what i mean mm-hmm and I so 
healing is moving sort of beyond that being the only valid kind of sexual expression you're allowed to have as a person because that's all that you're worth quote unquote or whatever there's something nice about waking up the next morning going for a coffee together after exactly sex, do you know exactly uh-huh. i'll never forget before i was with morris i hooked up with this guy um he's a bit older gentleman and very hot and it was, i got i woke up the next morning and over tea and toast which he made me you know he really all stopped we got chatting and of course interviewer robbie came out and i was like have you noticed any like change in hooking up or dating now in the era of grinder than prior to grinder and he was like robbie absolutely people don't stay over anymore mm. that's what he said to me mm. and it was a real like i was like that must be such a loss mm-hmm. you know people come ride go look for the mm-hmm. next thing you know and because like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you're missing that connection then yeah. the three b's bareback bed and breakfast <laughs> 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 that's what I want. Yeah. I'm not having to pay for any of it. That's <laughs> um, so you've had that experience, and going on from saying, you know, you've had all these internal insecurities. Um, how do you feel now? How have you been healed? Are you still on the journey of being healing? Are you like, I no, tell me. Well, I mean, I think it's always. I, I don't think anyone's ever fully healed. I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm very much on the mend and on the up and up, um, but it's all new. It's all learning new things. I mean, again, now I've been having sex with the same person and dating the same person for a year and a half, which is longer than anyone ever before in my life. So it's completely an unexplored, all new frontier from here on in. Um, and like the problems get different, like because it's now not a problem of like, oh, I'm only worth anonymous random hookups now it's like how do you maintain like are we still going to be into each other in five years like what if something happens like what if one of us gets sick like you know there's all these different fears and worries and it's like now this person who i have sex with is also this person who i like make a home with and like cook with and do like really domestic cute stuff with so it's like how does that intersect with does that all that kind of stuff and i'm i you know i just feel like it's fun and that's great because you know? all that stuff that you're talking about has nothing yeah. to do with being hiv positive right exactly you know, that all of that <clears> stuff <throat> none of us really know and we all yeah. kind of just hope for the best mm-hmm. with and yeah and i think whether you find sexual healing for yourself in yourself outside of a relationship having sex randomly or having sex with you know uh, booty calls mm-hmm. however you do it as long as you feel good about yourself yeah. and you're not as you say degrading yourself yeah. or compromising there's boundaries there's consent yep you know i think that's where the healing is it doesn't have to be about the relationship but what i love about the relationship is that it's just a normal relationship it's not a relationship between a pause guy and a neg guy or two pause guys or whatever your fears are just like all of our fears and i'm gorgeous (laughs) <laughs> insecurity i don't know her <laughs> who is she though <laughs> yeah, exactly. well we're so happy that you are on that journey I, I agree i think everyone needs to heal in some way with sex and it's not always some days you're like i'm great and then next week mm-hmm. i'm like i'm having a mental breakdown do you know what i mean it comes to sex or just an element mm-hmm. of insecurities or something happens in your life and you're like you may use sex for a different thing it may be more destructive in your life for, for yeah. example so um it's nice to kind of uh, know that and i think for everyone to know that that it's just a continuous journey that we're on when we talk about sexual healing listen boys we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon sorry to jump in but look before we go we always like to end on a positive note and we normally ask our two guests so if you have one we would love our listeners to hear 
So I just want to say, own your status. And if you don't own it, know your status and always know that you're loved and worthy of holding your space. Oh, that's so beautiful. Connor, have you got a positive note for me? Yeah, I mean, I would just say fuck without fear. You got to just do it. I mean, fuck without fear. We're having a (laughs) t-shirt for sure. Fuck without fear, baby. You're also into spit on me, Robbie, is another another slogan that we're into at the moment. I think spit on me dick is another one as well. (laughs) on me dick (laughs) oh I love it well everyone thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you to our amazing guests and uh, fuck without fear what a way to end on thank you so much everyone we'll see you next week thank you so much for having me everybody stay positive Bye. bye thank you so much for listening to Pause Vibe podcast if you enjoyed this week's episode show us you care by leaving a review wherever you listen and don't forget to follow us on social media at Pause Vibe Podcast for all the latest news and updates.